Hi, I'm Greg Lefebvre, and this is The Compulsive Storyteller, a series of short personal stories where we explore the idea that truth can be stranger than fiction. In this week's episode, entitled Ratatouille 2, after days of preparation, my girlfriend and I are ready to entertain her new boss, a French diplomat and his wife. The menu is set, the hors d'oeuvres are ready, the loft is arranged. All that's left is to tuck Ratsky, our pet rat, into his cage and away from prying eyes. I'm embarrassed to tell people that we have a pet rat. When I first met Laura, she had a pet rat, which I thought was pretty weird. She was a fantastic woman in every way, so I decided I'd try to put up with it. When she moved in, he moved in, and I've definitely warmed up to the little guy. He's half white and half gray, as if his hindquarters were dipped into a can of gray paint. He's mischievous, smart, and independent. We renamed him Ratsky. Today, I'm putting the finishing touches on his new four-story home. I've repainted an old bookcase, cut holes in the three interior shelves, and run little ramps between the floors. The ramps are configured one above the other in the same way that staircases are in most buildings. Rasky now lives in an old, dilapidated parrot cage. He can only spend time on the floor of the cage, so it's not the ideal setup for him. However, most of the time, he just explores all the nooks and crannies of our loft. I have built this new house in part because a week from today, next Friday, we will have some very important guests visiting. I want to get rid of the parrot cage habitat and had the idea of this new home, which we will hide away when the guests arrive. My girlfriend Laura is a temporary translator for a newly arrived French diplomat, and he and his wife are coming out to our loft for dinner. He's also a serious art collector, which explains in part our efforts in preparing for his visit. Laura tells me that she thinks they want to check out our art as well as our loft and see how a couple of real New York artists live. Laura is creating something special for their visit, a new avant-garde couch of sorts. She's purchased eight big blocks of foam rubber, four cubes to sit on, and four thick, taller rectangles to lean back on. The overall couch will be L-shaped, and she's engaged a tailor from down the block to sew zippered, light gray canvas coverings. Now it's Sunday evening, and I move Ratsky from his old parrot cage into his new digs. He's been allowed to roam the space most days, but we keep him locked out of his cage when he's exploring. That way when we call him in the evening, he's hungry and he always comes. Then he's locked in for the night. I always call him by singing out his name in a falsetto, Ratsky! Ratsky! And there he is. Tonight I call him to his new home, and he comes hesitantly, because of the change in routine. But he's hungry, and there's food inside, along with water and some clean rags for a new bed and also some pet toys. He enters, eats, and explores. On Tuesday, the foam rubber and the canvas coverings arrive, and everything fits perfectly. Ratsky has also adapted well to his new four-story house. The day after his first night there, he moved in a few of his treasures from the parrot cage a piece of red rubber, 
a scrap of sequin cloth, and a peanut shell. We've also supplied the cage with all sorts of new small toys. Thursday has arrived, and we start shopping in earnest for the dinner party. Yesterday I chose the wine and decided to avoid French wine because I don't want to make any faux pas of any sort because of my lack of knowledge of French vineyards, and instead chose a few bottles of white from an excellent California vineyard. In the evening, I call Ratsky, and he shows up immediately and races into his new cage for a meal and a night's sleep. Today is Friday, the big day. We shop in the morning. Whole wild salmon, asparagus and shallots, and those different colored little baby potatoes. We get some great desserts from Dean and DeLuca, which I call Dean and De Niro. We'll be making our own hors d'oeuvres. There is one big potential problem, though, the couch. It's been set up and sat on a few times, but I've never really thrown myself down on it. When I do, the vertical back blocks tip over and I fall backwards. I think to myself, damn, now we need a quick fix because we plan to sit on the couch with our guests for appetizers and drinks before adjourning to the dinner table across the loft. We decide on a two-part solution, sandwiching multiple strips of two-sided adhesive tape between the back of the blocks and the standing rectangles, and then to be on the safe side, I use some heavy twine to sew them together behind the base blocks. Voila, problem solved. The other problem is Ratsky, so we move his cage into the laundry room. I'm pretty sure that our guests, like most people, are not fond of rats. It's funny, I've been so completely converted by Laura to liking Ratsky that I, like her, find most references to rats in popular culture to be offensive. You dirty rat. They ratted him out. He's a filthy rat. This place looks like a rat's nest. References to gym rats and mall rats are less offensive. But of course, we both resist telling people how we feel about their unkind words towards rats. It's just too weird on our part. They are due at 7. So at 6.30, I call Ratsky. I sing out his name, and today of all days, no Ratsky. We both waste valuable time searching, even though there are still preparations to be completed. Upstairs, in the studio, the laundry room, the office. Ratsky! Ratsky! But he's nowhere to be found. So we decide on a fallback plan if he doesn't appear before they do. One of us has to be on the lookout in case he makes a beeline for our guests. That someone is me. When the buzzer rings, we both look anxiously at each other, close our eyes, touch foreheads, and shake our heads from side to side. Then we put on our happy faces and greet our guests at the door. We all make small talk about their getting up the freight elevator and our great views of the city. Then we sit down at the couch for appetizers and wine. I'm incredibly anxious, but a glass of wine does wonders. It also makes my eyes lapse for a few seconds from Rat Patrol. Suddenly, from the far side of the space, Ratsky makes his move. The woman has just raised a pretty little hors d'oeuvre to her lips when he jumps on and across the coffee table and runs straight up the front of her dress. She screams a scream that is truly operatic, a horrified, blood-curdling scream, and at the same time, she completely straightens her body out of fear. Ratsky has taken off with the hors d'oeuvre as soon as she starts screaming, but she doesn't know that. Because she stiffens her body, our two-sided tape job and sewing completely fail, and the rear of the couch flips backwards, and she does too. Continuing to tumble backwards, 
she ends up with both her pantyhose legs flailing in the air and still screaming, and the bottom edge of her skirt has fallen down to her hips. The biggest problem is that for Laura and I, the situation is completely hilarious. The harder we try not to, the louder and more uncontrollably we laugh. We're laughing so hard that we're crying, but not so the diplomat. As I laugh, I clumsily try to help his wife right herself, not knowing exactly where to take hold of her, and she inadvertently gives me a good kick. Then her husband pushes me aside and helps her up. He hugs her, whispering, mon petit chou, in her ear to calm her. And then he has some very nasty French words for Laura and I. She stops screaming and is now crying, but still our muffled laughter continues. What we're doing is so, so wrong, which makes it all the more funny. After a flurry of French expletives on the part of the husband, they leave in a hurry. Laura and I fall onto the couch, and out comes Ratsky, not to take a bow, but to clean up all the hors d'oeuvres that were scattered on the floor. The upshot of the evening is that Laura is barred from the office when she goes in to apologize. Her things are unceremoniously given to her in a cardboard box, and she's asked to leave. They never return our phone calls, nor respond to our apology note, the writing of which makes us both hysterical again. No matter how we phrase our apologetic description of the events of that evening, it's beyond funny. At one point, we make up a name for her, Madame Racamier, who was one of the subjects of Angra's most famous paintings. Since then, whenever either of us needs a pick-me-up, the other one just has to call out Madame Racamier, and we both giggle and sometimes howl with laughter. Sadly, Laura's and my relationship didn't make it but we did briefly get back together for Ratsky's funeral. He lived for four years, which is a long life for a rat. He's buried in a grave in Greenwood Cemetery, marked only by a couple of his treasures, both of which disappeared over time. To this day, though, I'm still offended when people say nasty things about rats. The Compulsive Storyteller is written by me, Greg Lefebvre, and co-produced with Peter Kokoma, who made our theme song. If you enjoyed this week's episode, we'd love your help sharing the show. Please subscribe to The Compulsive Storyteller for free on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen. And if you would leave a review, that would be fantastic. Follow the show on Instagram at The Compulsive Storyteller, and check out our website for more information at thecompulsivestoryteller.com. Thanks for listening, and if you don't like this one, the next one will be another story.